want to talk to you about my church and my life mission. Uh, every one of us has been given a mission from God. Uh, when you became a follower of Jesus Christ, God gave you a mission for your life. And this morning we're going to look at that mission basically for two reasons. First of all, for those of us as believers who have forgotten the mission that God gave us, okay? And there is a tendency in this crazy, busy, hectic world that we live in that we get so wrapped up with what's going on around us and the immediacy of just making a living and taking care of things that we forget why we're here on planet Earth. We can easily forget the mission that God has entrusted us to. The second reason I want to talk about this today is for those of, you, of us or you who are considering becoming a believer. I think it's important that you know up front and understand not only the transformation that will take place in your life on a positive note of how God will save you and change you and turn you into a new person, but also the task that He is giving to you to do. He has a job for you to do. So, what is our mission in life? That's what we're going to talk about today. The Apostle Paul explains this new life mission that we're all on in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. And I want to share it with you this morning out of the New Living Translation. Paul said, But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So, what is my mission in life? Well, if you are believe, a believer, the moment you became a Christian, your mission in life changed from just trying to get to retirement to something much bigger. Okay, As Paul said it, your mission is to bring others into God's family. That's it. We all have the same mission. As a believer in Jesus Christ, my mission is the same as your mission. Our mission is God's mission. To bring as many people as we possibly can into the kingdom of God and into heaven. Listen to Romans 10, 13 and 14 out of the Living Bible. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Woo! Isn't that great news? You just call on the name of the Lord and believe in Him and God will save your life. But who can ask unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe if they have never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? So I think the point here is, is very obvious. For a person to get into God's family, somebody's got to tell them about God's family. Someone has to tell them how they can be saved. Now, you become a part of God's creation by just being born. Okay, We're all a part of God's creation, but you become a part of God's family by choosing to become a part of God's family. Everyone is a creature of God, but not everyone is a child of God. That's your choice. I can choose to be a part of God's family, or I can choose to not be a part of God's family. You've probably wondered, why? I mean, what's up with the free will thing? I mean, why, why is this a free will battle? What does free will mean? Well, th this is the reason I love free wills, because God all, gave all of us a free will. 
God, as I said this morning in the dedication, God does not manufacture or produce a, a mass population. He, he doesn't make robots. He gives all of us a freedom of choice. We have all been given a free will. And when you are presented with the good news of the gospel, you can either choose to accept it and say, hey, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe that God has a great life for me. I believe there's a heaven to go to. And I accept that. Or you can choose of your own free will to reject it. But you know what? Somebody's got to tell you. Okay? The choice has to be offered. Somebody told me one day what it meant to be a part of God's family. And you know what? I am so grateful that people cared enough about me and loved me enough to tell me about God's grace, His love, and His forgiveness. And the Bible says that the moment I became a part of God's family, that that became my mission in life as well, to share that good news with other people. Somebody's got to tell the world. Will it be you? It's your mission. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. He's talking to Christians. So he's saying this to each one of us in this room. He said, you will be my witnesses. What is a witness? Well, a witness is somebody who tells something from their own personal experience. Okay? You can witness an accident. You can witness a crime. You can witness a wedding. You can witness a football game. You can witness a war. There's only one qualification of being a witness. You were there when it happened. Huh? Hmm? Now, you know I'm for Bible understanding and Bible knowledge. Y'all know that, don't you? I believe that every Christian needs to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. You need to become a Bible scholar. One of the reasons we have Sunday school on Sunday nights, Bible study, is for you to come and learn more of the Bible so that you can become more like Jesus Christ. So I'm all for knowing the Bible, but here's the deal. You don't have to know a whole lot about the Bible, and you don't have to know a whole lot about theology to be a witness for Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we are all witnesses because as a Christian, something has happened to me. Jesus has changed my life. And as a witness, all I am doing is telling the story about what God has done for me. What happened to me when I became a believer? Now, the Bible calls this in Matthew 28, the Great Commission. He said that we're to go everywhere and we are to tell every person we come in contact with the good news of God's salvation. So, regardless of my career, regardless of your career, whatever it may be, you may be a truck driver or a doctor or an accountant or a janitor or a teacher, regardless of my career, my real mission in life is to use that career that God has given me to tell other people about Jesus. Did you know a non-witnessing Christian is a contradiction? <laughs> My mission is to help other people come into the family of God. That's your mission as well. That's our mission together. Each one of us has that as a life mission. Okay? To tell other people about Jesus. Now, why would I do that? What is my motive 
and telling people the good news? Well, it's got to be love. That's all it can be is love. Love for God and love for people. Okay, here's how it works. I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And God is pouring into my life His love. And I allow His love to just flow through me into other people. So I'm really loving other people with God's love. Because I really can't love everybody with my love. I'm selfish and I'm irritable and I'm mean. And sometimes I just don't like people. Sometimes people make me mad and angry. I lose my temper with people, right? Well, what planet do you live on then? <laughs> but God helps me do that. He is loving other people through me. In fact, in 2 Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, the Lord loves people. The Lord doesn't want anyone to die and go to hell. God never made a person He didn't love. God loves everyone. And everybody matters to God. Now, that's hard for us to understand because people do mean things, don't they? There are mean people in the world. There are people who do not respect human life, and they, they murder others, and they kill others, and they're mean to people. And, and believe it or not, there are people who are mean to little babies. I, I cannot fathom that, but there are people who are like that. Yet God loves all people. God cares about people. God wants everyone to be saved. And that's why this church will never stop growing. As long as there is just one person out there who doesn't know Christ, God wants that person to know Him. He wants everyone in His family because God cares. And because God cares, we must care. The Bible says the love of Christ compels us. It's the love of Christ that is compelling me to be a witness for Him. John Maxwell, the, the preacher, used to say, people don't care how much I know until they know how much I care. And what a true statement. The first part in being a witness and fulfilling your mission is to simply love people, to care about people. Now, if I have the cure for cancer and the rest of the world is dying and I don't share the cure for cancer, that's wrong, isn't it? That's a crime. If I have a surplus of food in my house and my next door neighbor is starving, you know what? It's wrong not to share with them. You know what? I have the greatest news in the world. It, this is the greatest news in the world. And if I don't share it, that's wrong. It's a crime. And I believe the world is far more ready to receive the good news than most believers are ready to share the good news. So you know what we need to start doing? Every morning we need to wake up and say, God, would you help me love these crazy people I live with and I rub shoulders with? Lord, would you, just, would you help me today to love people like you love people? 
God, would you give me a, a burden and a passion to see people saved? Would you help me care for the people of this world like you care for the people of this world? Help me to see them through your eyes. My motive is love. What is my message? Well, my message is good news. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 out of the Living Bible says, Proclaim the good news to everyone, everywhere. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Proclaim the good news to everyone, everywhere. Does this include work? Yes. Does this include school? Yes. What about Walmart? <laughs> yeah. Everywhere. In other words, it's to be a part of my daily routine. My mission is to share the good news and not miss anyone. Now, how many of you like to receive good news? You like to get good news? Let me see. Come on. Come on. Come, come on, don't you? Well, yeah, you do. We love to get good news. What about this? How many of you really enjoy sharing good news? Telling people good news. You like, isn't that great to be able to tell somebody good news and their, their life light up and they smile and they enjoy it? Don't you enjoy doing that? Because I know some of you like sharing the other kind of news. But it's better to get good news, to share good news. Hmm. Well, if a Christian, if you're having a hard time sharing your faith and sharing the good news, I think the reason is you've just simply forgotten how good the good news really is. I mean, if you're having a hard time sharing the good news, that's the reason why. You, somehow or another, you've just forgotten how good the good news really It's beyond good news. This is great news. This is God's plan. It's a whole lot better than any president's plan. I can tell you that. God's care is better than... <laughs> God's plan is the best plan. What is the good news? Well, let me just summarize it in three statements from the Bible. Here's what God offers you in the good news. God offers fulfillment in life. I love what Jesus said in John 10.10. 10. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Or as one translation says, that you might have life to the fullest. Wow. So the first thing in good news is fulfillment. Jesus said, I have come to give you life. Not religion. Not ritual. Not rules. Not regulations. Not stuffy ceremonies. Let me tell you something, the Christian life is not a religion. It is a life, an abundant life. It's a lifestyle that we live. What kind of life? Jesus said it is life to the fullest. It's the best kind of life anybody can have. Now, do you know people looking for that? Well, absolutely. They're looking for fulfillment. And God offers fulfillment in His good news. Number two, God offers freedom. John 8, 36, Jesus said, If the Son sets you free, Jesus, if the Son of God sets you free, you will be really free. Or as one translation says, you will be free indeed. 
Now, I talk to normal, everyday people all the time, and one of the phrases I hear from people all the time is, I just feel trapped. They, they feel trapped in life. Anybody feel that way? You've been trapped, like you're in a trap? I can't seem to break out of this rut. I can't break out of this bad relationship. I can't break free from this habit. I can't break free from this circumstance. I can't break free from this bad memory that's holding me hostage. I'm trapped. Well, here's the good news. <laughs> Pull it out of here. Jesus has the key. He can unshackle the chains that are binding you. Jesus can set you free like nothing else can. Free from guilt, free from the past, free from resentment, free from the chains of sin that are holding you down, free from bitterness, free from boredom, free from the expectation of others, free to be the person God made you to be. Jesus can set us free. God wants you to be free. And I'm getting excited. I wish you had half the excitement that I have right now. This is awesome, man. This is great news. God offers fulfillment. God offers freedom. But number three, God offers forgiveness. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God said, I want to wipe your slate clean. I want to forgive you for everything you have done wrong in your past. I want to give you a clear conscience. I want to wipe away the past, and I want to give you a do-over. <laughs> a brand new start. Isn't that amazing? When I think of forgiveness and freedom and fulfillment, I realize that's what everybody is spending all of their time and energy and money trying to find. That's what the world is looking for. But you know what? They're looking in all the wrong places. Because we've got the answer. And maybe the reason you don't share is that you've just forgotten how good the good news really is. You tend to think that most people are as happy as you are because you have this hope in your heart. Let me tell you, they're not because they don't. So what's my method in sharing the good news? How am I to share God's loving plan of salvation? How can I fulfill the mission that God has given me? Two very simple ways. Number one, I live it. And number two, I share it. First of all, I have to demonstrate the good news. In Titus chapter 2, verse 10, it says, Show you can be fully trusted, so that in every way you will make the teaching about God attractive. In other words, you've got to demonstrate in every way, in your lifestyle, what it means to be a believer, so that the teaching of God, the truth of God, is attractive to the world. God says that He wants you and me, if you're a believer, to live in such a way that your lifestyle literally draws people to Christ. That our lives are attractive. That we are contagious. So my question is, 
Is your life attracting anyone to Jesus Christ? Is there anyone who is interested in becoming a believer because of the way you live your life? You know what, I'm, and I'm, I'm not being mean to you this morning, I'm saying this out of a genuine love and respect for you. If not, if that is not the case, you know what, you need to, you need to just do a personal evaluation and check on your own life. What's wrong with me? Really, what, what, what is wrong with me? If, if, if people don't want to follow Jesus because of my lifestyle, because of what I have, because of the hope that is in me, then what's wrong with my life? Now, guys, I understand as a believer, the world is going to hate you because it doesn't understand the Christ in you. I understand that. But there is a flip side to all of this. The Holy Spirit of God is working in the lives of people in the world, lost people. God's Spirit is working in them. Okay, God is drawing them to Himself. But God has chosen people like you and I to bring that lost person to Christ. Okay, So there's a person out there who's lost. They know something's messed up and wrong in their life. They're looking for hope. Where do they find the answer? Oh, there's a Christian. They have something I don't have. There is a hope in their life that I want. Their lifestyle is attracting me to Jesus. And so it's through that person that the lost soul is saved. And if we are not drawing people to Jesus, if our lifestyle is not contagious, attracting others to Christ, something's wrong with the way we're living. The fact is this. You're being watched, whether you like it or not. Whether it's your boss or your employees or your employer or your business associates or the people you go to school with, your neighbors, they're watching you like a hawk. Because you've said you're a Christian. So they're watching your life. And you know what? There are some people in your life there are some people that God has placed in your life that you are the only person who can reach them with the good news. And you know what, guys? I don't want to get to heaven one day and have to try to explain to God why somebody else used my lifestyle as an excuse for not coming to Jesus Christ. Man, I take that very seriously. Please, would you understand the high stakes that we're talking about here? We're talking about people who are going to spend eternity in heaven or in hell. And yes, both are real places. So how can I live my life in such a way as to attract these people to Jesus Christ? Because let me tell you, however you live your life and who you ch choose to share Christ with will make a difference in other people's lives. There are some people that only you can reach. So let me tell you, you better be living it every single day. You cannot overestimate what we're talking about here today. Your life is either going to draw people to Christ like a magnet, or you're going to push them away from Jesus Christ. How you live is influencing far more people than you realize. Because there are a lot of people looking at you.
and I, I, you know what? I don't want to belabor this, and I don't want to go too far with this, but I've, I've just got to, I want you to understand and see the significance of what we're talking about. I know some Christians who have a spiritual elitist perspective on life. They, they, they're spiritual snobs, okay? They, they have received Christ, maybe their family is saved, you know, and, and that's all they care about, okay? And they walk around with this spiritual uh, elitist attitude that, you know what, you're, n- you're not good enough. I don't even want to waste my time. And they walk around with their spiritual nose in the air. They're too good to share the good news with somebody else. Can I tell you something? That is wrong. Instead of attracting people to Christ with that kind of attitude, they're pushing people away from Christ. But you know what? On that same plane, over here on the other end of the spectrum, there is the so-called Christian or believer whose lifestyle is no different than the lifestyle of the world. So there's hypocrisy in your life. You say you're a Christian, but you know what? You're doing the same thing the world does. You're talking the same way the world talks. You're acting the same way the world acts. You treat people the same way the world treats people. You allow sin and compromise in your life just like the world accepts and allows. And then you wonder... You know, well, what is it? Why can't, why can't I influence people for Christ or, or win people to the Lord Jesus? Or, or why doesn't people take me seriously? It's because you're a fake. Ne- neither one of these groups, the spiritual elitist or the, the compromising life of duplicity, is doing Christ one bit of good. You know what does Christ good? People being the real deal. People who take seriously their commitment to Jesus Christ. Not people who are perfect, because let me tell you, none of us in this room are perfect. Okay? None of us are perfect. Sometimes there will be times when we all stumble and mess up and fall. But you know what? The true believer, the true follower of Jesus recognizes it when they do. And they get up and they brush themselves off and they ask for forgiveness and they get right back on that narrow way to live for Jesus. And wherever they are, no matter what day of the week it is, or whoever they are around, they are being a light for Jesus. So you don't get one thing on Sunday and a different thing on Friday night. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, guys, if we are going to influence our world with the good news and draw people to Jesus, we must live the life. We've got to live it. But secondly, we've got to share it. 1 Peter 3.15, Be ready at all times to answer anyone who asks you to explain the hope that you have in you. You see, we not only need to live the life, but we need to be able to verbalize the faith to tell other people. It's not enough to just live the life. You've got to tell people the good news. It says always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have inside of you. This means that we open our mouth and we share the good news. I know a lot of Christians who are Arctic River Christians. 
You know what an Arctic River Christian is? They're frozen at the mouth. You say, oh, preacher, I, I don't have the gift of evangelism. You know, I don't know many people who do. That is a special gift given by the Holy Spirit to just a few people. I don't, I, I don't have the gift of evangelism. You know what? To be a witness for Jesus, you do not have to have the gift of evangelism. You just have to be a Christian. To be a witness, this is what Jesus has done for me. The greatest need in our world today is what I call audio-visual Christians. They walk the walk, they talk the talk. They say it and they show it. They do it both so people can see it and hear it. So that's my sermon. But I'm not done. Three very practical steps to get you started in your mission. Because this is our mission to tell other people about Jesus. All right? How do we do that? Three very practical things. Number one, make a prayer list of those around you that need the good news and then just start praying for opportunities to share it with them. Eh? Who should be on your prayer list? Who is it that God has placed in your mission field? Well, here's the way I look at it. You start at, at the bullseye, the very center of the circle, and that is your immediate family. Okay, Who in your immediate family needs Jesus in their life? You write their names down. And then you go to the circle outside the bullseye. Those would be a relatives. Okay, People in your family, you know, cousins, aunts, uncles, people who, uncles, aunts, cousins... Cousins, aunts, uncles, second cousins, people who need Jesus. And the reason I keep saying that is because, you know what, I'm thinking of people right now who need to be on my list. Are you doing that? Then you go outside that circle. We have people that, that are our close friends, people that we see every day. Maybe people you work with or people you go to school with. But there are people who are, who are your friends. You know them. You know them well. Maybe your neighbors. Then outside of that circle are just acquaintances, people that you know. You know their name. Maybe you know their occupation. You see them occasionally. But you know enough about them to know that they aren't believers. And then way outside the circle would just be that stranger that God would direct you to one day, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, somebody who's, who runs their cart into your cart at Walmart. Yeah. Have you ever thought maybe that's a divine encounter that God is making right there for you to be a witness for Him? So you put these people on your list, and then you know what? Every day you pray for that, that person on that list. Lord, here's Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe's a part of my family, but I know that Uncle Joe has never been saved. If Uncle Joe died today, Uncle Joe would not go to heaven. He would go to hell. And Lord, I know that you put Uncle Joe in my family for a reason, for me to be a witness to him. And so, Lord, I'm praying for Uncle Joe. Would you bring circumstances into his life that would help him see his need for you? Lord, would you bring people into his life so that he would uh, be witnessed to? And Lord, Lord, I know that Uncle Joe and I don't live in the same town, but, but somehow, maybe, maybe at the 4th of July, or dear Lord, at a family reunion, you would give me the courage and the opportunity to witness to Uncle Joe. And every day you pray for Uncle Joe and everybody else on your list. 
You know what? Here's what happens. When you really start praying for these people, you love them more. And you really pray earnestly that God would save them. Second thing that we do is we build a bridge to that person by listening and caring. The key word in sharing your faith is simply the word relationship. You build relationships with people. I heard a story about a Chinese foreign exchange student who uh, became a Christian, a believer, a Christian witness to this foreign exchange student, and he became a believer. He was explaining how it all happened, and here's what the Chinese foreign exchange student said. He said, that man cared for me, and he built a bridge between my heart and his heart, and Jesus walked across it. Isn't that the way it's supposed to be? You see, everybody is hurting somewhere in their life. Everyone has, a, everyone has a problem. Everyone has a need. The key to being an effective witness of the good news is to shut this and open these. And you just listen. Because eventually, if you listen long enough, that person is going to tell you what's hurting in their life. And you can share the answer. And then number three, third practical step, you just invite them to church. You invite people to church. You know what? Anybody can do this. You may be a one-day-old believer, but you know what? You, you can do this. You may not know anything about the Bible, but you can do this. Anybody can invite somebody to church. Can't we? Yes, we can. You know, I told the first service, your church staff works really hard through the whole week. And the volunteers that we have serving, we work really hard all week long uh, to make this uh, a great experience on Sunday morning. We want you to walk in this building and sense the presence of God here. We want to make our, our, our worship service and do our part in making our worship service a, a time and a place where people can encounter God. Okay? And so we're doing everything we can to make it easy for you to invite your family members and your friends to God's house so that they can experience God. And then what you do after it's over with, you take them out to lunch and you say, what'd you think? What'd you think? And they may share something with you that was said or that was done, and they may share a need with you. And again, there's the opportunity for you to share with them the hope that is in Jesus Christ. There's an old Mercedes commercial that said, some things in life are too important to not share. And so it is with the gospel. And I tell you what, it is too important for you not to share it. So will you accept your mission? Hmm? I'm not a doomsday preacher, but let me tell you, I'm very concerned about the direction America is headed. And not just America, but our world. It, it, it is scary to think about the future for our kids and our grandkids and the generation that hasn't been born. You know, how, how much worse can this place get? You ever wonder that? Just my perspective, it may have to get a lot worse before it gets better. Because people are going to have to wake up. Our real issue is not an economic issue. It's not a political issue. The real issue is a spiritual issue. 
How do you have a better world, a better America, a better town, a better city, a better family? It becomes better one person at a time when people give their life to Jesus. And church, our mission, the mission of Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church is to spread the good news. It's not just what we get in here on Sundays, the, the family atmosphere, the fun, the good feeling that we have here, the encouragement we receive. What really counts is what we do with it when we leave this place and how many people we share it with. So here's where it begins. What about you? Where's your life with Jesus? Have you been saved? Are you forgiven of your sins? Are you a new creature in Jesus Christ? It all begins when you give Him your life. Maybe you've never done that. I invite you to come this morning and one of our staff members will share with you from the Bible how your life can be changed. Maybe you're here today and you are a Christian, but you're just you're not living the life God has called you to live. and You know that. You need to get some things straight this morning. I invite you to do that. And then for the rest of us who are Christians, let's take it serious, the mission God has given to us. Would, would you begin this morning by coming to the altar and starting to pray for those people that God is putting on your heart that you need to reach for Him? Heavenly Father, I pray right now in your holy...